When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, you may have noticed that retailer shelves are not bare this holiday season. In fact, surprisingly, completely different than normal years, there are still bargains to be had in December. Later, I'm also going to discuss something that's not a bargain. Oh, man, paying for medical expenses. Ugly, ugly, ugly. So what's ugly for retailers has been awesome for you and me as consumers. And that is they just got too much stuff. Uh, One category that in December... You go to the toy section of a retailer and you see empty shelves. This year, not at all. Toy inventories, the manufacturers, the retailers are reporting the financial community are way, way robust, uh, which is really bad for their stockholders and really good for you. Now, the hottest most sought after things whatever they are this year those are still like any normal year those few items always end up being hard to get but what i've noticed a lot is retailers on items that are in peak demand in terms of the toy aisle they're saying we've got them and they're listing a high price where all the other toy items seem to be real deals and if you have a kid you'd like to get a bike for bike prices are gosh they're like the lowest i can remember in forever for a kid's bike or even an adult bike and so this is a year that is going to be very friendly and favorable to you shopping And I've talked like a broken record about the clothing market and how overstocked clothing is. That's going to continue into the new year. This is not just going to be in the month of December that we're going to have all this this clothing that retailers are trying to get rid of. And from what I'm reading, I read a story in the Financial Times about this, that retailers are being more aggressive with markdowns than their plans normally would call for because they're calculating in the possible suppression and buying power if the economy does slow a meaningful amount in 23. So they'd rather take their hits now, take their losses now, marking down more than their modeling might normally say to take those and get that merchandise moved because they're worried that Next year, the stuff will be completely unloved and price won't even get the item sold. 
So we have this window that's so unusual in so many product categories. I've talked uh, several times going all the way back to August with back to school about how cheap laptops are. And laptops are cheaper now than they were back to school. Very unusual pattern because the inventories are just too large. Appliances, normally that's not a Christmas item. But everywhere you turn, they're trying to get you to buy new appliances. I don't know who just voluntarily says, huh, that's working just fine. But look at this new one. I'm going to get this new one. But I just want you to know, December, normally the time that you pay much higher prices on Christmas goods. The prices will be higher than they were through the Black Friday season. But the prices are not going to ratchet way high like they typically do as we move days closer to Christmas. So an early Christmas gift for all of us, Krista. Awesome. And you said you finished your Christmas shopping in August? Yeah, but now I just found out I missed a couple, so I need to go out there again. You missed a couple? Yeah, a couple of gifts I need to get. You just forgot people? Yeah, I messed up. Okay, let's go to some questions. I'm not going to name who those people are. Oh, I um, don't know. It'd make it worse. <laughs> Joe in Wisconsin says, I've contacted multiple companies to bid on a kitchen remodel. I will be spending over $100,000 on it and wondering the best way to finance it. I can start by choosing between a home equity loan or a HELOC. However, I'm 55 years old and have money in 401ks split between traditional and Roth and money in a rollover IRA account from a 401k from a former employer. Should I just use a loan or HELOC to pay for the remodel or at some point do I draw on the funds in my retirement account to pay the balance but then lose the growth potential on those funds so normally I would say that you wouldn't want to do that at all and that that advice even with higher interest rates has not modified a lot hundred grand plus you don't want that on a HELOC the reason you don't want that on a HELOC is it's a floating rate loan and for now those rates have floated up 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 and up if you go into a home equity loan you're going to be fixed rate but the home equity loan market has an interesting wrinkle to it the rates are so controlled by the length of the term you take out a home equity loan the fixed rate you get for five years if you could pay back the 100 plus thousand in five years, let's say, if you could do that, the rate is much, much, much lower than it is on a 10-year home equity loan. And you don't even want to think about doing a 15. The longest you would want to do a home equity loan is 10. But if you do lock in on a home equity loan, you will have an opportunity almost certainly to refi as interest rates come down from the peaks they've been at is we're dealing with inflation. The HELOC, though, Federal Reserve is not done raising the rates it controls. Even if they slow down the rate of increase, barring something unexpected in the world, the rates are going to keep going up that would affect HELOCs. So doing the home equity loan with a credit union would be preferred. Spending money from your retirement accounts, not a great idea particularly in your mid-50s. You want to get this growth you can get out of these funds. We've had a, a decline, meaningful decline in the stock market over the last year or so. You want to recapture 
and the market comes back up, you want to recapture those gains because they'll be so valuable to you in retirement. So borrow the money, know the pain of the interest rates will be meaningfully higher than it would have been before the Federal Reserve started its climb, but that would be the right choice. This is from Sandy in Kansas. This year, my husband and I had savings bonds mature. The interest on them amounts to $90,000. This would put us in a higher tax bracket if we redeem them. But of course, the bonds are not earning anything now. Any suggestions on what to do? Cash them in. You're doing nothing to your benefit by having them sit there earning 0.0% now. And you cash them in, you'll have to pay tax on whatever your tax rate is on the 90000 If you cash in some now and cash in more in 23, you will maybe lessen the push up in tax brackets that you would have otherwise. So there's a direct advantage to you splitting the redemption between 22 and 23. Then you can take the net of the proceeds and put them to work right away in CDs, savings accounts, never from a traditional bank, only from an online bank. And if you have an account at a brokerage house, you want to place the money through the brokerage houses because right now they're paying the best rates on FDIC-insured accounts. And from Brian in South Carolina, is there a website that you can recommend for looking up contact info like email addresses, phone numbers, et cetera, for the executive leadership at any given company? If not, what's the best way to get this info without paying for it? So we have at Clark.com how to contact various organizations, but the best source for it, in my opinion, is Elliot.org. Elliot.org is a longstanding consumer advocacy organization they do great work and one of the things they have done that infuriates corporate america is they have put up a lot of key contact information for companies that and isn't this weird that companies don't want you to contact them i keep thinking about frontier airlines proudly announcing that they no longer will take phone calls from the public I mean, what business says, hey, look at us. We promise you customer no service because we don't even offer you a phone number anymore. Serious. I know. I know. And that's Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot org. Thank you, Krista. Sure. And particularly with my diction, people would be like, what's that Clark said? <laughs> so thank you. Krista was an English major. So not only is her grammar perfect. But also her diction is perfect as well. So coming straight ahead, you may have just heard the sneeze. Well, medical bills. Man, medical bills are ugly. There's a way you can make them so much worse. I want you to be heads up on and avoid. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you look now, you'll see it. You go to almost any medical office, any hospital, 
any medical facility, freestander, anything like that, and they will have promotion probably all over the waiting room, even potentially in an exam room, about great news. We have instant credit available for you to handle your bill today. So what's going on is a a pretty unsavory practice where the medical providers of all types are freaked out that they're not going to get paid, even if you have health insurance, that they're not going to get paid for the portion that is not covered by insurance, that you just won't get around to it or won't look at it as something that actually means something. So they're all trying to get you to take out this. It's an equivalent to house credit, instant store credit, that all these in the industry, they call them white labels, where you're offered instant credit by the doctor's office or surgery center or hospital or whatever, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to shift the costs of your care from them having to deal with the bills to a third party and then ultimately to you. So why is this so bad for you? These credit plans offered at medical facilities are hideous credit. They're kind of like the garbage that the furniture stores promote or other retailers promote. Uh, Particularly, you think about something like furniture. The industry is infamous for the no-no-no's. You know, no down payment, no payment, no interest for 90 days, six months, a year till, I don't know, till we land on Mars. But what they don't tell you is what happens if even one penny of that debt is not satisfied by whenever the payment holiday period ends, the interest in almost all cases is retroactive to the day of purchase and the interest rates are usually around 36%. So the doctors have all thought, hey, this is great. The patient's going to be hoodwinked into thinking we're giving them something when we're actually putting them into a big, fat bind with a massive interest rate on a hideous offer of credit that is ugly, rotten, terrible. Now, I just have to say, I can hear the Clark stinks now. Do you think doctors really feel that, like, they're going, yes, I can, they're going to get a tear? They probably don't realize that this is not good. Okay, so I mean, that is true. Uh, that, that probably was too dramatic. As someone who reads oh, the Clark stinks, I just have a to A lot intervene. of doctors have no clue what's going on no. on the business side of their practice. Right, they're just trying to help people. And I should say as well that this is not necessarily driven by doctors because the overwhelming percent of medical practices now are owned by private equity, big corporations, pretend nonprofits. So these decisions are being made by administrators, not by doctors. Carry so doctors, on. Carry on. Uh, thank you, Krista, because <laughs> that, that would create an obvious stream of Clark stinks. And you were right to call me out on it. 
And so th- we did like a junior Clark Stinks there right go. there. Okay, well, that's all right. You're passionate about it. I understand that. I just want you to know the message I want you to remember as a customer. Remember, your customer is these offers of instant credit are rotten, terrible, awful. Don't do them. All right. Is that clear enough? That is very clear. Okay. This question's from Tim in Massachusetts. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis two years ago. That is no fun as a condition. I take daily pills for treatment and have been symptom-free for over a year. I was denied by the insurance company at my employer to buy up to 70% disability insurance from the 50% they automatically provide. Are there any other options for me or anything else I can do? So, all right, there's two ways to play this, Tim, and one depends on how long you expect to be at this current employer. If this is really a working lifetime sequence kind of employer that barring something coming out of left field that you're going to be with them for the remaining core of your working years, then you take the 50% you get without medical underwriting from them and you put money aside every month into if you have an HSA available to you, you put money in that. Otherwise, the purpose of the disability insurance is to provide replacement of income if you're no longer able to work. You need to take money and put it into a fund, could be a um, index fund, would be a great place to put it, the Fidelity Zero funds where you pay no fees at all, no commissions. Uh, would be a good place for you to stash money every month. That would be option one. Option two, if you don't know if you're long-term with this employer, go to a, uh, you want to go to a, a disability insurance broker. You have to hunt around for that. That's a specialized category of insurance expert. And you disclose to he or she, what the challenge is getting you disability insurance because you have ulcerative colitis and they will know which insurers will consider underwriting you for that, what kind of surcharges they might charge, and you would be able to buy your own independent disability insurance policy. Uh, In that case, uh, if the law allows in the state of Massachusetts, you would basically have duplicative Duplicative coverage. Mm -hmm. Say that three times. You'd have that where you'd have a policy for 60 or 70% that you would own free and clear, plus what the employer gives you, the 50% just for breathing, if you're allowed. In that case, you'd be overinsured for a while until and unless later you change your job. And wouldn't you also say if he doesn't, if Tim doesn't have life insurance in place, that's going to last for a long time, take the life insurance from your employer, whatever it is. Um, All right, so that's an interesting point. So is ulcerative colitis going to be considered to be a shortening of lifespan? That will depend on the insurer how they would see that. If you do not have a good level term insurance policy, be a good idea for you to get one that would cover the remainder of your key working years. You can buy up to 30 years of level term insurance. If you can medically underwrite for that, you want to have your own policy. Only if you cannot qualify would you buy what is an inferior choice, the group health insurance, uh, group life insurance offered by your employer. 
Heather in Pennsylvania says, hello, Clark, and thank you for all of your wonderful advice. In 2023, I'll be trying a high deductible health plan and HSA for the first time. You've talked about these a lot, but I haven't heard the answer to this question. What do we invest the funds in that is productive, but liquid enough to allow us to take money out if needed? I would like to just use my savings and defer the HSA money for the future, but you never know what will happen in the present. Okay, so you have to do half a loaf. You don't look at this as an all or nothing in this case. So let's say you do your HSA with Fidelity again. Fidelity has been so forward thinking on HSAs. So let's say you do your savings portion, savings and investment with Fidelity. What you would do is you take, let's say you take half the money and you put it in money market or something like that. And the other half you invest with a long-term focus. If you're not confident and comfortable that you could safely invest all the money, you don't invest none. Try to invest half of what you're putting into the HSA each month. And that would be a way that you get the benefit of half of your money having long-term growth, but the other half being available for more current medical expenses. And if you get several years into an HSA and you're finding you're not tapping in to the reserve funds, then years moving forward, you leave the money already there sitting in money market. But in the future, all the contributions in a future year, let's say past the first several, would go into the index fund type choice you might use at Fidelity or another low-cost HSA provider. The reason that's important is most HSA providers of the savings and investment accounts charge outrageous junk fees and management fees. You want to be with one that does not do that. And that's why looking at the one you can, it's kind of complicated Vanguard, but you can buy in Vanguard. The easiest that I know of is with Fidelity that is ultra low cost. Karen in New York says, Clark, I'm wondering what you think of Vanguard's new cash deposit option that they're offering as an alternative to the standard money market settlement fund. Apparently, it's FDIC insured and yields 2.60%. I guess that rate will go down when interest rates go down. So the Vanguard offering is a great alternative. If you're uncomfortable having your idle cash in money market and you want the security of FDIC insurance, Vanguard now offers that, and they're a little late to the game with it, but the interest rates they're paying are very favorable on Vanguard cash deposit, and so that is a very viable alternative that Vanguard is offering for idle funds, and it's a good idea that Vanguard's doing it, and the good thing when Vanguard gets around to something, they usually offer a better deal than other people because they are so bare bones, low cost. And I want to tell you, we're coming up on the end of the year. So if you're looking for ways to reduce your tax bill for this year's taxes that you're going to pay next year, you don't start trying to figure that out January 2nd. You do it now. In fact, I heard from my CPA who does tax, who was just ecstatic that I'd talked about this recently on TV, how important it is to do tax planning in the year, not after the year. So we have a guide on Clark.com that can help you. And we've got 10 year-end strategies you can look at using 
that will help you lower the tax bill for this year that you got to settle up in 23. Have a great, great day. And even though I talk about all the bargains with Christmas shopping, don't get caught up in the frenzy if it's money you can't afford to spend.